0: Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Maine. A land steeped in whispers, myths, and folklore that will send shivers down your spine. I'm your guide through these twisted tales. And I go by many names. Some call me the Night Watcher. Others, the Whispering Wind. But for now, you can simply call me Chris. Sorry, I've always wanted to do this. Let's, let's just begin. Do you believe in ghosts? Can't believe I'm leaving that in. Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. And this is Haunted American History. Now that I've gotten that out of my system, in the chilling waters of Penobscot Bay, off of the desolate coast of Maine, A young ensign named Edward Preble found himself face to face with a creature straight out of a nightmare. The ship Protector had sailed into a realm of terror as a giant serpent emerged from the depths, its monstrous head rising like a sinister omen, perched atop a thick neck resembling a giant snake. Preble's heart thumped loudly in his chest as he was ordered into a longboat, determined to confront this otherworldly menace. Preble aimed his weapon at the creature in this surreal encounter, only to miss his mark. With a grace that sent shivers down his spine, the serpent vanished beneath the inky waters, leaving Preble haunted by this encounter for the rest of his days. Over the years, the haunting tale of Casco Bay Sea Serpent spread like wildfire, weaving a web of terror from Weeks Wharf to the seas near Mount Desert Rock. The sailors and captain who bore witness to this serpentine monster couldn't shake the feeling that they had ventured into a realm where nightmares coiled and slithered beneath the surface. These maritime horrors evoked a primal fear as ancient as time itself. Tales of water-hoarding dragons battling vengeful gods in Hindu texts, and nightmarish sea beasts arch nemesis of mighty deities in North mythology, painted a vivid picture of untamed forces lurking in the depths. From the ancient Babylonian creation myth to the chilling descriptions of biblical Leviathan, the myth of sea beasts transcended time and culture, etching itself into the collective human psyche, a universal symbol of dread and the unknown. From the Book of Job, 41, 31 through 34, It makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron, and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. It leaves a glistening wake behind it. One would think the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is equal, a creature without fear. It looks down on all that are haughty. It is king over all that are proud. In the eerie tales whispered around campfires and in hushed voices, one can almost feel the presence of these ancient creatures lurking in the murky waters of Casco Bay. A haunting riddle, forever roaming the cold, unforgiving Atlantic waters off the coast of Southern Maine, leaving sailors and storytellers alike to wonder what horrors might be lurking just beneath the surface. A mystery that even the most vivid imagination would struggle to fathom. In the ancient tales of yore, Our primal dread of the uncontrollable is painted onto the canvas of sea monsters. Terrifying beings that rule the ocean, embodying forces far beyond human comprehension. They reign with great and awe-inspiring power, reminding us of the vast and mysterious workings of the world. And in stories when these monsters are defeated, it's not by mere human will, but by other divine entities, often associated with the elements of nature itself. In ancient Mesopotamia, Marduk defeated Tiamat, splitting her in two, which created heaven and earth from her body. In Western Semitic mythology, Baal conquers Yam, casting him down from the heavenly mountains. In Norse mythology, it's a destiny written in the stars that Jormunger or Jormunger, Norse pronunciation is probably, listen, I know I struggle through French and German and God knows what else in English. But Norse, Jörmungln. My tongue doesn't move like that. Jörmungand. Ah, he fights Thor and they have a clash. That's what happens. I can say Thor. That's pretty cool. Their mythic fates are set in motion by forces that are far grander than anything that our mortal minds can comprehend. I can't believe I'm leaving that. But I'm going to do it. There's a lot of things in this episode I'm leaving in. Throughout our conscious existence, we've struggled with the idea of control versus chaos. Here we stand, sentient beings, perceiving and creating so much, yet we're mere mortals. Our history is shaped by forces beyond our understanding, capable of wrestling control of our lives from our grasps. Volcanoes erupt, frigid winters descend, the earth cracks open, food becomes scarce, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, and from the murky depths, a malevolent beast may rise, ready to devour us. Scary stuff. Above all else, the sea maintains its baffling allure, an inhospitable realm where our will holds less sway. Yes, I love the sea. It is everything, declared Captain Nemo aboard the Nautilus. He sees the vast expanse of the ocean, a desert teeming with life, covering seven-tenths of the globe. In its depths, man may never be truly alone, yet it remains where even tyrants lose their power. Beneath the waves, their dominion ceases to exist. Ah, only in the sea can I be a free man, Nemo exclaimed, seeking solace in the depths, escaping to the only place on Earth where humanity's grasp is feeble. In the chilling tale of our tragic hero in that classic book, it's not a journey to the stars or some fantastical realm that provides the ultimate escape, but rather the treacherous abyss of the ocean. In the dark mysterious waters, Captain Nemo seeks freedom beyond terrestrial bounds, freedom from the tyrants and a release from the very limitations of mortal existence. In the depths of ancient myths, sea monsters rise to remind us of the vast and untamed world we inhabit, a wild and unpredictable force that defies our understanding. Their existence serves as a chilling reminder of the balance between creation and destruction, order and chaos. They can't be entirely vanquished, even in their defeat. But in our modern Western reality, a prevailing perception of control dominates our value system, especially concerning nature. We're led to believe that we're the masters of our own destinies, that order has triumphed over disorder, and that the untamed wild has little room in our practical lives, or even our imaginations. According to this view, humans are entitled to wield authority over the natural world, making choices that shape the very landscape of our planet. We can alter forests, level mountaintops, or preserve the pristine beauty of nature. It's our prerogative. Or so we think. This perception arises from the belief that we understand so much, and science seems to support this notion. We've unraveled the mechanics of life itself, delving into the subatomic particles and peering back into the dawn of time, the Big Bang. The reigning narrative paints a reality where the non-human realms, the places where the ancient forces of the unknown still lurk, remain on the fringes of our civilized existence. But as night falls and shadows grow, one can't help but wonder if we've become blind to the true scope of the wild. Beneath the veneer of control, a more profound, primal fear remains. The fear of the uncontrollable. The untamed forces that may still lurk in the margins, waiting to snatch us from our safety of our ordered lives. The chills down your spine may not come from the monsters of myth, but the realization that our sense of control is just a fragile illusion. In the eerie silence of the night, when the winds howl through the trees and the unknown whispers in the darkness, we may find ourselves questioning whether we genuinely hold dominion over the natural world, or if we are merely players in a grander, more sinister scheme. A scheme where the wild and untamed forces of nature still hold sway, just beyond the boundaries of our comprehension. And as the stars gleam overhead, we can't help but wonder if there are realms lurking beyond our grasp, Domains where shadows hide ancient terrors that defy our understanding. A haunting reminder that even in our modern age, the wild remains as untamed and as unpredictable as ever. The illusion of our order, the separate human world, is a haunting riddle. We may strive for control, but in the end, we're but mortals, vulnerable to forces far beyond us. The consequences of our thirst for dominance are catching up with us. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but the sixth mass extinction looms. A grim testament to our own destructive hand. Oceans rise, droughts worsen, and the Earth's topsoil erodes away like sand slipping through our fingers. In the modern myth we've crafted, humans play every role. Warriors, gods, monsters, and the fallen. We challenge the very forces of the world, believing we can wear the armor of ancient deities. Yet, for all our claims of order... We remain powerless against raging storms, devastating fires, and the vanishing species that slip away like ghosts in the night, a fear that has been etched in our brains since the dawn of time, passed down through generations. The veneer of our predominantly rational worldview hasn't evolved us past those instinctual emotions. Fear remains innate and visceral. But what do we do with this primal fear lurking in the shadow of our minds? In a world that rarely makes room for fear of the unknown, we're inclined to turn it inward, directing it at ourselves or one another. Maybe there's wisdom in the old myths, where primordial fear transforms into terrifying dragons and chaotic serpents, a way to transform fear into awe. Those ancient tales remind us that we're not meant to control everything, that well-placed fear serves a purpose, a forgotten connection to something greater. And deep down, there's an undeniable desire for these monsters to be real. Definitive proof that this world is still wild and untamed. The unknown calls to us, beckoning from the dark corners of our mind. In the eerie shadows, we yearn for sea serpents and creatures from our most haunting nightmares. A glimpse of a world beyond our control, where fear becomes a gateway to something far more significant. Something we've lost touch with in our relentless pursuit of order. Well, goddamn, Chris. Now that you've given everybody an existential crisis, what the hell does this have to do with Maine? Well, I'll tell you. In the dimly lit corridors of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine, as visitors marvel at the eerie displays and ponder the existence of creatures like Cassie, the elusive Casco Bay Sea Serpent, one thing's become abundantly clear. It's a wild world out there, folks. You might think chasing sea serpents is some eccentric hobby, a quirky pastime for enthusiasts with an extra dose of imagination. But hold on tight, because there's more to this tale than meets the eye. Behind the laughter and whimsy lies a more profound truth that taps into our ancient fears, our primal need for awe, and our dance with the inexplicable. Picture this, modern-day adventurers clad in their best Indiana Jones gear, embarking on perilous sea journeys, hoping to glimpse this elusive monster. As they set sail, they're not just hunting for a legendary beast, they're searching for a piece of their own history, a connection to the untamed, a connection to the mysterious forces that have haunted humanity for ages. We find a profound lesson in the chaotic embrace of creation and destruction, where awe and terror waltz together Life's a constant ride on the roller coaster of existence, with ups and downs that make our hearts pound and our stomachs churn. And amidst the mundane and controlled, we yearn for a whisper of the unknown. So take your time to dismiss those who chase sea serpents and delve into the world's mysteries. They're the dreamers, the seekers of the extraordinary who embrace both the fear and the wonder that makes life one hell of a ride. The legend of the Casco Bay Sea Serpent lives on, Tapping at our curiosity, whispering secrets we've long forgotten. It's a reminder that life's just not about what we can control. It's about relishing the strange. Taking the plunge into the unknown and discovering that the most wondrous awe often lies within our deepest fear. So the next time you hear a tale about a sea monster, don't scoff and roll your eyes. Embrace the inexplicable. Embrace the whimsy. Embrace the thrill of the ride. After all, life's a cryptid hunt, and we're all in it together, ready to face the monsters and wonders that await us beyond the shores of certainty. Happy hunting, folks. Hey, folks. I wanted to stop in the middle here and uh, give you guys a little bit of updates on what's coming to the show. I know earlier in the year, I uh, was like, hey, I'm going to go state by state this year, blah, 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 52 weeks in the year, 50 states, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, well, there's only 20-something weeks left in the year, and I have 30 states to hit still. Plus, I want to do Puerto Rico, and I'm going to do a couple special things. Like, once I get to New York, my home state, I'm probably going to go, like, borough to borough. So, that might be, like, a whole week of episodes, like, the state and each borough. But anyway, that just means that I'm just going to have to put out more episodes. So, coming in the coming weeks and the rest of the year, probably... It's going to be weekly, sometimes twice a week. So I'm just basically coming and telling you that you're going to get some more of me. Also, you know, it's the kickoff to spooky season. To me, August is when spooky season starts. I know this episode's July 31st. It gets released, but anyway, it's close enough. So the countdown to spooky season, that's why I want to get enough of these, like, state-by-state episodes out, you know, to give you guys a little bit something to If you're from these states or you're traveling through these states through October, you you just have a little bit of a guide of things to check out possibly that you didn't know about. And Halloween, I want to do something special. I'm attempting to do a uh, 13 days of Halloween. So my normal episodes on Monday and then the 13 days leading up to Halloween will be folklore and original stories and a lot of fun. And as always, thank you to everybody. Thank you for being here, thank you for sharing, thank you for reaching out and leaving your reviews, and it's just I'm blown away. Every every week. It's just you'd think I would get like used to it, but I'm not. At all, I'm not. And with the show growing as the way it is, it's I, I still can't understand what's happening. But anyway, just you know, thank you so much and uh let's uh let's continue with Maine. Later, folks. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. In the icy grip of winter back in 1799, the coastal town of Sullivan, Maine, bore witness to the first documented haunting in the then young United States. The eerie affair began innocently enough with strange noises emanating from the Blaisdell family cellar like a distant conversation just whispered beyond comprehension. And that's all it was, until right after the new year of January 1800. The voice from the depths gained clarity, speaking directly to the bewildered inhabitants of the house. Captain Abner Baysdale, a man of unwavering faith and a respected figure in the community, dared to face the unknown. Brave as he was, he inquired about the identity of the disembodied voice, only to receive an unsettling reply. I'm the dead wife of Captain George Butler, born Nellie Hooper. The haunting entity claimed to be Nellie Butler, a young wife taken too soon, lost in a tragic childbirth three years prior, leaving behind a lifeless infant. Blaisdell knew of Nellie and her sorrowful tale, but her father, Dennis Hooper, lived nearby, as did her bereaved husband, George. As days passed, the spirit's communication with the Blaisdell family deepened, with young Lydia, the 15-year-old daughter, often at the heart of the otherworldly phenomena. Knocking sounds would echo through the house, followed by eerie voices calling them to the mysterious depths of the basement. This was a textbook example of a poltergeist. And like those tales, what began as mere auditory disturbances transformed into something far more intelligent and interactive over time. In the midst of a frigid Maine winter, a haunting of unprecedented nature unfolded. A chilling dance between the living and the departed, with questions lingering like ghostly whispers in the dark. As the days turned into weeks, the Blaisdell family found themselves caught in a web of inexplicable occurrences where reality and the supernatural intertwined, leaving them to grapple with the forces beyond their understanding. In the small coastal town, whispers of the haunting spread like frost on the winter's morning. The tale of Nellie Hooper's spectral visitation seeped into the soil of Sullivan, shrouding the community in a chilling uncertainty. Who could say what lurked beneath the surface of their seemingly peaceful lives? What specters of the past reached out from the shadows to remind the living of their mortality and fleeting nature of existence? The Blaisdell home became a battleground between the known and the unknown, where the veil between the realms of the living and the dead grew thin. In this remote corner of the world, where the icy winds carried the whispers of the departed, Captain Abner Blaisdell and his family confronted the forces that defied reason and plunged them into a haunting they would never forget. The tale of the Sullivan haunting passed from generation to generation, but one thing remains certain. Our world, no matter how mundane it seems, harbors mysteries beyond our wildest imagination. And perhaps on those cold, dark nights when the wind howls and the shadows dance, the echoes of Nellie Hooper's voice still linger, reminding us that even in the realm of the living, the mysteries of the dead are never far away. In the cold grip of that winter in 1800, the Blaisdell House in Sullivan, Maine found themselves tangled in a bizarre web of ghostly intentions. Nellie Butler, the departed wife of George Butler reached out from beyond the veil, trying to play matchmaker with her former husband and the young, impressionable 15-year-old Lydia. It was an eerie twist of fate, a specter meddling in the affairs of the living. As word spread, suspicion settled on Lydia, the constant companion to the ghostly voice. The townsfolk's minds wandered to tales of witches and demons, wondering if Lydia could be possessed and whether the haunting was more than a mere spectral visitation. The ghost's interest in George Butler caught the attention of Nellie's sister, Sally Wentworth. The night Hannah Blaisdell, Lydia's older sister, went to George's house at Nellie's beckoning was the catalyst that piqued Sally's curiosity. The group, including Lydia and other locals, ventured down into the eerie depths of the basement, where the haunting voice awaited. Lydia, held tightly by Sally's arm, conversed with the otherworldly voice. The sound that evoked memories of Nellie herself But the message was cryptic, urging peace and unity. As they listened, a shiver crept down their spines, for the voice declared, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, and other incomprehensible sentences. Over time, Sally's skepticism gave way to a growing belief that the ghostly voice was indeed her sister. The voice morphed, at times hoarse and haunting, yet always strangely pleasant. Conversations flowed between the departed and the living while Lydia found herself at the center of this puzzling connection. In August of 1800, a gathering of thirty souls once again sought the presence of this haunting spirit. The ghostly voice, unmistakably resembling Nellie's now, whispered words that settled deep into their bones. The specter defied explanation, leaving the townsfolk grappling with eerie revelations. The riddle of the Blaisdell house grew, and the chilling voice that bridged the gap between the realms of the living and the dead continued to echo its cryptic messages. In this small coastal town, the lines between reality and the supernatural blurred, and in the heart of the haunting, amid the shadows and whispers, a tale of love and connection between the living and the departed took root, forever lingering in the minds of those who heard the ghostly voice cry out. Reverend Abraham Cummings, a traveling preacher, collected the unsettling testimonies of Nellie's sister and 30 others, penning a haunting pamphlet titled Immortality Proved by the Testimony of Sense, in which is considered the doctrine of specters and the existence of a particular specter. A little lengthy. Among those caught in the spectral web was George Butler, drawn into the ghostly conversation with a voice that claimed to be his deceased wife. The spectral words echoed, Whispering secrets from their past, a conversation witnessed by none but the two when Nellie was still alive. A revelation so intimate, so tightly held between husband and wife that none could explain how the eerie voice knew. As the ghostly persuasion grew, so did George's conviction that the marriage was a divine mandate. The age difference, Lydia's apparent reluctance, none of it seemed to matter when fate's hand was guided by an unseen force. So, on the shores of Butler Point, on that ominous day of May 28, 1800, the couple sealed their union. But the echoes of the haunting didn't end with the wedding vows. Like a harbinger of fate, the ghostly voice issued an ominous warning to Captain Butler. Be kind to your wife, for she will not be with you long. She will have but one child, and then die. In the tangled web of the supernatural, the lines between the living and the dead are blurred, and the specter's prophecy loomed like a dark cloud on the horizon. As the couple embarked on their new life together, shadows of uncertainty hung over them as if destiny was waiting to play its hand. What twisted force was at work here, orchestrating the lives of mortals with spectral whispers and uncanny foresight? The haunting of Nellie Hooper left a chilling imprint, As the story echoed through the ages, the ghostly voice seemed to sway the living, a whisper from the beyond guiding their fates with an otherworldly hand. And so the marriage began, bound by a spectral vow and veiled in the whispers of the dead. As the days ticked by and the prophecy lingered, the couple could not escape the haunting grip of fate. The specter's words echoed like a haunting melody a chilling reminder that the past, the present, and the future were placed together like a jigsaw puzzle of inexplicable forces. In the obscure recesses of history, the haunting of Captain George Butler and his young bride Lydia was no mere whisper in the wind. It was a sinister dance between the living and the otherworldly. The ghostly voice that claimed to be Nellie Butler returned from the grave and covered the townsfolk in goose flesh. Some called it a cursed prophecy, others saw it as the work of demonic forces the rumors swirled like a tempest accusations aimed at the family insinuating their deceit and convincing george to marry lydia but the entity seemed unfazed by the doubt its otherworldly machinations grew stronger it reached out to more and more townsfolk leaving an imprint of religious intensity in its wake thomas uran a man skeptical of the supernatural found himself in the throes of the haunting As the knocking and voices echoed around him, he descended into the cellar, seeking any sign of deception. But what he encountered chilled him to the core, a voice claiming to be from above, praising God and the Lamb. It warned of sin and judgment sending tremors through his soul. The apparitions intensified, and Lydia found herself in the midst of a cryptic encounter. The ghost sought absolution for her. To clear her name from the skepticism that lingered like a shadow. And so the haunting twisted and turned, revealing glimpses of a spectral figure in a white sheet. The haunting vision played tricks on reality. At the peak of this unearthly affair, an eerie sighting took place. A white form rose before Abner Blaisdell, an honest and unreal vision. George himself reached out, attempting to touch the spectral figure, only for it to vanish like a wisp of smoke a display that left them bewildered and shaken, confirming the otherworldly nature of this haunting. The entity wasn't content to be confined in the Blaisdell basement, though. It craved more witnesses and demanded recognition. And so a crowd followed the spectral presence. Their hearts pounded as they chased the elusive apparition. It showed itself in the field as if mocking the doubters before fading into the ether, leaving them with more questions than answers. As the last echoes of the haunting faded away, the townspeople were left in awe and fear. The line between the living and the dead had blurred, and the ghostly whispers lingered in their mind like an unsettling melody, a reminder that some mysteries are beyond human comprehension. The haunting of George Butler and the mysterious Nellie Butler persisted as a chilling testament to the inexplicable, and the townsfolk could truly never escape its haunting grasp. As the years passed, the haunting of Nellie Butler and the tragic fate of Lydia became ingrained in the fabric of the town's lore. Speculation swirled, and each tale was more sinister than the last. Some claimed it was all an elaborate ruse concocted by Abner, a scheme to secure his youngest daughter's marital future. Others whispered of a poltergeist, a conjuration born from the imagination of a vulnerable girl that gained a life of its own. Skeptics couldn't help but wonder if it was truly Nellie Butler meddling from beyond the grave to bring peace to her grieving husband, Yet, among the web of theories, a darker threat emerged. A chilling suggestion that the devil himself was behind the haunting. Could he have sought to infiltrate the town? Using grief and superstition to unleash a malevolent force upon the innocent souls of Sullivan? The haunting didn't end with Lydia's tragic fate. It left an indelible mark on the town's psyche. It lingered like a specter in the minds of those who heard the chilling tales. A haunting reminder that sometimes the line between reality and the unknown blurs, and darkness can seep even into the most ordinary of lives. Two centuries on, the question persists, unanswered and haunting like an eternal echo. The tale of America's first haunting has become more than just a local legend. It reflects our fears and desires, our yearning for answers to life's deepest mysteries. The truth lies somewhere between the mundane and the supernatural where human longing and grief intertwine with the inexplicable forces of the universe. In the shadowy recesses of our minds, we wonder if we are merely pawns in a cosmic game manipulated by forces we cannot comprehend. And so the ghost of Nellie Butler and the fate of Lydia Blaisdell continues to haunt us. Not just as a haunting tale of the past, but as a profound reminder that the mysteries of the human heart and the universe remain intertwined. The true nature of the haunting remains enigma. This thought-provoking puzzle lingers, inviting us to explore the boundaries between belief, the unexplained, and fear. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History. I'd like to take a minute here and welcome some of the newest members to the Patreon, Allison and Christina. Thank you guys so much for joining. Your support literally means the world to me. I say it every time someone else joins, but it really does. I can't even begin to express how much it means to me. Uh, Thank you so much for joining. And if you're interested in joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash hauntedamericanhistory. Early releases, ad-free episodes, and uh, Discord access. Come chit-chat. Talk about your favorite episodes. Come hang with me. Watch me try and record episodes. And stumble through the pronunciation, and then just just stumble through life. Thanks, folks. Later.